welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host from today, Priscilla Charles, and I am joined today by Bruno Herman. Hello, Bruno. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for being uh, on the show and taking the time to answer our questions. Uh, Bruno is a global leader in digital product, content and experience. And we'll be going through your career, your background, asking you use on location, retailing panels, and so on. So uh, let's get on to the show. Right. So Bruno, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Take us through your background, all the way up to, to your current activities. Sure. Um, I have nearly 25 years experience in uh, digital content product and uh, experience leadership. So uh, both regionally and globally. So I started first locally and then I moved to uh, global roles. Uh, I started actually my career as a consultant in the localization industry, uh, working for startups. And at that time there were many startups. So I was one of those lucky lucky persons to, to contribute to the to the, to the industry at the beginning. Um, and, and actually, uh, after this experience as, um, as a project manager, I decided to move to the client side where I uh, joined the high-tech sector, uh, working for companies like uh, Sony, uh, Compaq, HP, all big names I know, so easy to remember. And um, I, I had some uh, increasing, uh, increasing uh, roles um, in terms of uh, program and project management. Uh, specifically uh, in terms of content operations. So that's where I spent uh, a number of years. And uh, nearly 15 years ago, I joined a, a big company, uh, which was uh, an opportunity for me to be in the business, in business intelligence uh, industry, which is Nielsen. Uh, and in Nielsen, uh, I spent uh, my time actually leading uh, content, digital content operations, uh, first regionally and then globally. Uh, and I actually created uh, the digital globalization practice, which was uh, brand new, and it was actually also part of the digital transformation for the company. Fantastic. So I understand you hold a master's degree in translation and you specialize in three languages, French, English and Dutch. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a bit about what triggered such an interesting, such a, an interest in languages? Because three languages, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Well, actually, I guess it started uh, on a personal note because it started in my family uh, that was and still is uh, multilingual and quite international. So from my early years, I was used to uh, hearing uh, various languages, uh, speaking to different people from different countries. So I, I think that that was really the, the, the trigger, uh, even if it was not conscious probably at that time. And, uh, and also it was, uh, it was a way for me to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to translate uh, this interest that became a passion uh, to a master. And that's why I went and, and uh, got this master, master in uh, translation studies. Yes. So, yeah. Because you're Belgium, so yes. I suppose you, you live in a country that has three languages already. Correct, yeah. So that's, that's a huge set. Yeah, it's a huge set, and uh, and it was also a good framework for me to you know to to as I said to put my passion in practice because I I knew you know when I was a teenager that I wanted to be in the communication industry, but I also also had a, a huge interest for technology. Yeah. So I said, well, you know, maybe uh, for my first master, I would like to to get a master in translation studies because it could open some doors Absolutely. afterwards. Yeah. Brilliant. 
So um, let's uh, go back to your career, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you've played an important role in building up data-driven digital product operations. Mm -hmm. And throughout your experience as a digital globalization manager, um, you've led, uh, you've helped companies such as um, Hewitt Packard and Nielsen for the yeah. last 20 years. So can you tell us a bit about this? Sure. Um, well, in short, because it's a huge experience, so I'm not going to take too long. <laughs> uh, but what I would say is that I, I was really fortunate to be uh, to be part and to be to contribute actually to the digital transformation and evolution of these companies. Of course, HP was a, already a technology company, high tech company. Mm -hmm. But of course, when I when I joined them, it was uh, the late 1990s and the internet was already there, but not yeah. as mature as it is today. So eventually, uh, you know, I learned quite a lot in this area. And when I joined Nielsen, indeed, which started actually in the early um, uh, 2000s, uh, you know, the digital transformation and the digital journey for the clients, mm -hmm. not for the company itself, of course, yeah. I was really pleased to, to, to get uh, more and more responsibility to not only to grow uh, in terms of digital enablement, but also in terms of, you know, uh, making content, making products and services from Nielsen uh, more digital and more globally effective. And that's that was really the challenge, it was really to, to take care of, of th this new mindset, because of course we talk about processes, yeah. uh, specifically in digital, but, you know, it all starts, at least in my experience, with mindset. So we had to change mindsets, we had to bring some new talents, etc. So overall, like, I think it was a great, uh, a, a, a great framework, again, uh, a, a great environment for me to, to grow uh, with my passion, as I said before, yeah. but also to, to really uh, to be part of this, this adventure, which was digital transformation. Right. And uh, already today, I mean, uh, uh, and still today, I would say, it's um, di digital trans trans transformation is still there. So it's, uh, uh, the journey is not over yet. And yeah. uh, in many companies, so def definitely it's, uh, it's, a great, uh, it's, it's, it's a great pleasure to work in this area. Yeah, I suppose it's changing every year. It's always changing. Uh, every every month, I would say. Every it's uh, it's it's extremely uh, it's extremely uh, vivid in a way. Yes. Uh, but that's that's what makes this this area really passionate, and, and that's 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 really what I like about it. And uh, of course, you know, we can talk as I said about processes yeah. and and other things which are more or less technical. But at the end of the day, it's about the business and how the business is changing and how customers are changing. And um, so what would you say has changed in the way companies operate, uh, you know, uh, their business when it comes to engaging customers, talking about businesses? Um, I would underline two things, speed and fragmentation. So first of all, speed. Uh, well, there is no secret. Uh, digital is about speed. Yes. It's about getting content, products and services as quickly as possible uh, and delivering them as quickly as possible for suppliers. So um, speed has really be a game changer in a way that, uh, you know, I would say it, it, it was speed itself was, of course, a requirement, but it, it generated other requirements uh, like effectiveness, like time effectiveness, cost effectiveness. And, and definitely there was there was a big challenge over there. So speed is, is, is what I would point out first. Uh, I mentioned also fragmentation. Well, uh, in terms of fragmentation, uh, I would say that the digital evolution has, uh, has transformed uh, the, the journey of consumers and customers. Uh, they became digital customers. And this uh, evolution has made their journey more uh, phased, more fragmented, 
Uh, and because of that, uh, we had, as a business, we had to adapt uh, processes, content and products to this new and evolving journey. And uh, fragmentation, uh, and I don't speak only about uh, geographic fragmentation, which is, you know, uh, which is certainly something that uh, even before digital was already uh, on the table. But um, I would say that this, this uh, fragmentation became or transformed itself into segmentation. And, and uh, in a way, it was a good, it was a good uh, opportunity to really look at the overall uh, journey or life cycle, journey for a customer and life cycle for a product, and try to synchronize both, yes. uh, specifically when it comes to snackable content and, uh, okay. and micro experiences. And I'm sure we talk about that a bit later on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, coming back to your career and um, your previous background, you started your career in translation, right? Mm -hmm. In localization consultant. Yeah. So how would you say it helped you understand the localization industry and and then what changes have you seen along the way? Um, well, when I started, uh, localization projects and operations were mostly transactional. So clients were coming, they were sending files or documents to translate and localize, and they were expecting to get those back on time and on budget. Mm -hmm. um, the evolution I've seen with digital is that uh, clients were expecting more than that. They were expecting more than just uh, you know operational uh, deliveries. They were expecting added value. And because of that, uh, the, the role and, and the, the added value of the localization industry had to adapt itself. And, and it's very interesting to actually see, uh, you know, if you take, you know, the role of a project manager or the role of an engineer or a testing manager, uh, to see how this has evolved, not even in 20, uh, in, in, uh, 20 years, but also in 10 years. Yeah. It's really the kind of, uh, I would say, the, the, the sort of uh, reflection of the fact that clients are uh, to be addressed based on data-driven solutions. And also, uh, I think that the, from a localization uh, or industry localization perspective, it's really interesting to see how, uh, how those companies have uh, more or less, depending on which company, uh, have really tackled this, um, th th this new uh, paradigm. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see now that uh, there are more and more players in the localization yeah. industry focusing on added value and not no more on deliveries. Uh, so if I if I can just compare my start my starting years, it was all about delivering, and now it's all about delighting. Of course, it is very important. Yeah. Um, quality over quality delivery. and effectiveness. Definitely, yes. content effectiveness has become uh, the name of the game, uh, not only for the localization industry but for all people. Uh, coming to play in yes. the content value chain. So whether it's a designer, a developer, uh, uh, a writer, everybody has to make content effective, and it has to be it has to be effective where and when it matters, which is really the challenge. And that's what globalization is all about. After all, globalization is not really to spread the word or to deploy content yeah. all over the place. No, it's to deploy the right content with the right people at the right time. Absolutely. So um, now, um, moving towards a slightly different topic mm -hmm. um, within the industry, artificial intelligence really is at the center of all the discussions, right? Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what would you say, um, impact-wise, um, it has had on translation and uh, digital content? Um, this is a great question because 
I got that question quite regularly, uh, and I would say I, I try to summarize my my approach by saying that um, AI should not be a gold rush, a new gold rush. It should it should not be used for everything and anything. I think AI is going to be a great enabler, a great tool yeah. to change to enhance a number of activities and tasks related to localization, but not only localization, of course, uh, to the whole, to, to the whole um, uh, yeah, uh, content life cycle. So that's, that's a fact. So um, I, I would say that uh, I, I would advise people to consider AI not as uh, automated intelligence, but as intelligent automation. Uh, in other words, to be really selective about how to use yeah. AI and when to use it so that it's effective. It's effective for themselves because AI is an investment, obviously. Uh, it has to be properly funded, it has to be, uh, you know, it has to generate some return on investment, but also for the client. The client has to benefit from that uh, in terms, again, in terms of speed, in terms of effect effectiveness. So th th there, is a, there is a game, there is a win-win game, if you will, that AI uh, has to contribute to in this case. So definitely, I, I see that uh, as as a big um, uh, as a big enabler to you know lead customers to more engaging products and more engaging yeah. content, and it will help a lot. All people, uh, since we talk about the localization industry, it will help uh, a number of people uh, having a role in yes. the localization industry to That's be something. better. Yeah. Uh, I know some people are afraid because they say AI is going to take my job. I tend to say no. It's going to change your job, yeah. and that's. I change is never easy, but I would say that stick to what AI is all about, making it intelligent rather than just purely automated, mm. and and try to really uh, put it into practice uh, in the interest of customers. Absolutely, because AI is still developing, really, and um, and human skill is obviously still necessary. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So um, now, talking about um, one of your other activities, you're a regular contributor and columnist mm -hmm. uh, to the e-content magazine, Brand Quarterly Magazine, and the Journal of Brand Strategy. Mm -hmm. And um, and maybe soon in our uh, quarterly publication, VTQ. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a recent article, I understand that you've discussed the transformation of cost management mm -hmm. and into cost leadership in digital uh, globalization. So could you expand a little bit on this for me, please? Yes, absolutely. It's a huge topic again, so I'll try to be short um, <laughs> once again. Um, in this article, I wanted to highlight uh, why and how digital globalization had to be considered as uh, a real uh, profit booster rather than just a cost center. Because, of course, investing in digital globalization means funding, means budgeting, etc. So some people might just say, you know, the, 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 the dark side of it, if I can put it that way, from a financial perspective. Um, what, I, what, I, what I wanted to, to highlight is that Okay, there is a cost associated to, you know, uh, managing and leading digital globalization in any company, by the way. It doesn't matter if it's a blue chip or a, a startup. Mm -hmm. But what I really would like to, what, what I really wanted to, to insist on was that, uh, the, the, you know, um, it, it has to be, the, 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 the value of digital globalization has to be closely linked to content effectiveness. Again, we, I know we circled back on this. On this content effectiveness topic, but that's that's reality. Uh, and and um, you know it's uh, it's definitely uh, 
a change in processes, but again, a change in mindset. And I explained in the article how, or I suggested, well, let's, let's be honest, let's be humble. I suggested, I recommended a few things to do to change mindsets yes. and as a result to also uh, transform processes to really uh, use digital globalization as a business, as I said, a business booster mm -hmm. uh, and, and move away, try to move a little bit yes. away from what is usually seen as, as a burden or as a nice to have, as an option. And it's, it's none of that. It's really a business driver. Uh, so my goal was really to tell people, don't underestimate, uh, don't take digital globalization for what it's not. Uh, it is very important today in digital more than ever. So globalization is not going away. It's there for a long time, I believe. And also it's a way to really uh, highlight what they, what they should change, what they should, um, you know, uh, be responsible for uh, in, in this framework. And, and uh, of course, the article was about how to do that from my experience, because I, I went through that journey from, you know, from zero to where I was, but also to, to really do that in a, in a sensible way, not to be too pushy, not to be too aggressive. I think in this area, just like in many other areas, you have to use the right arguments, you have to use the right words to convince uh, your stakeholders. And I think that's what the purpose of this article was, is to, was to really give some, some food, some fuel for these people uh, to talk to their stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And talking about um, um, boosters and ideas you know, uh, for customers and companies, uh, what other advice, what advice would you have for brands who would like to uh, effectively develop their brands globally? I would say that uh, globalizing brands or globalizing even content in general is about caring for people, for local customers. Uh, and caring for local customers meaning, means really uh, getting closer to them. Uh, really, uh, I would say even walking in their shoes because that would, probably, that would be probably too ambitious, but really uh, see things from their perspective and, and actually act as you would like to act as a customer yourself. Yeah. So th there is, there is, um, th th there is a, again a change in mindset probably for some people, not not everybody. But I would uh, I would really insist on on this aspect of making uh, you know products and services, content in general, uh, more successful uh, internationally by uh, by not assuming that a brand is strong enough by default internationally mm -hmm. is to really uh, make it happen and and not you know move a little bit away from you know some probably some assumptions and some myths which are uh, you know which potentially may slow, slow you down or may just be completely wrong uh, and and I think that's that's again it's it's uh, it's all about in the approach and and working with the right, with the right people not you know hyper centralizing everything not decentralizing everything yeah. so the the brand has really to talk to local people then that's you know, it's all about creating local vibes, yeah. local feelings. Uh, brands are about feelings, so, uh, and it's a big challenge. We see that, uh, you know, in I mean, all the big brands and small brands uh, have to be really careful about, you know, local markets and how people will receive, will perceive first yeah. and receive next uh, brands and uh, how, as I said, how it will how it will generate vibes or not. Absolutely, in worst case. yes, yeah. adapting the content to 
particular uh, market. That exactly. Yeah, and then and definitely to to consider customers as individuals as much as uh, a market. Yes. Uh, because sometimes you might see a new market. You want to launch a new product mm -hmm. in a new market. You might say, yes, I want to go there. I want to grow my business in this country. And you might say, well, this is my audience. This is my group of customers. Mm -hmm. But in many cases, it's more complicated than that. You have, again, due to the fragmentation I was talking about uh, earlier on, you have to really look at who you really want to engage. Uh, is it just one group? In many cases, it's not. Yeah. It's more like different groups based on ages, based on you know location, based on uh, you know requirements and and this is really important i think that's that's what global brands should do to really uh have local uh vibes and roots yes absolutely mm -hmm. so um last year uh, you delivered a fantastic keynote presentation mm -hmm. at the Fleeing global forum uh event in london mm -hmm. and you touched on uh speaking the language with the voice of the customer and uh, that is what localization should deliver. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. you've also discussed uh, disruptive technology. Could you mm -hmm. uh, tell us a bit about um, about those two topics? What are your thoughts on mm -hmm. those two areas? Sure. Um, so uh, yes, uh, when I was talking about speaking the language of customers, what I meant to convey as a message was that people should go beyond words. Uh, my definition of content effectiveness is that uh, content is effective when it is linguistically, mm -hmm. culturally, mm -hmm. and functionally relevant, authentic, yeah. and engaging. Uh, I really put those three aspects together because I think that you may have the greatest content on this planet if it's not delivered with the right cultural values mm -hmm. and with in the right cultural uh, sorry in the right functional ecosystem. Not going to work. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you have some, you know, worst the worst content on, on, on this planet, but if you still have the right ecosystem, it doesn't match either. So you really have to tackle those three aspects at the same time and, and with equal importance. So definitely uh, is to go what the language means for many people, which is words, yeah. sentences, and stuff like that. Yes, it's very important to have something that is linguistically meaningful, because otherwise you don't understand anything. But specifically now in the digital age, you cannot say, well, okay, wow, that's a great piece of content in Spanish or in, um, in simplified Chinese, I'm ready to go. No, you have to look at how this content is going to fit in the cultural values that are uh, authentic yeah. and uh, personal locally, mm -hmm. but also how, they will work, how that content will work. Uh, functionally yeah, in the ecosystem, yeah. so for sure. Uh, disruption was another topic indeed, because again, I wanted to change a little bit the view of people on, on, this, uh, on this aspect. Uh, people talk about uh, disruption as something uh, generated by technology. Uh, I would agree to some extent. I agree that, of course, some technology is uh, inducing, you know, uh, uh, disruption, because, I mean, mobile phones are yeah. probably the best example of that. But it's not always true. Actually, in a number of cases, disruption comes from customers because they have new requirements, they have new, uh, they have new expectations, they have new aspirations, and technology is not meeting those requirements yet. So disruption is coming to, to us yeah. and we have to leverage, we have to enable technology to meet those requirements. So it's not like a one-way street, if you will. You know, disruption is not like technology to customers. It goes both ways. And that's what I wanted to, 
to, yeah. to deliver yeah, yeah. the message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, you've also commented on the importance of snackable content, and you mentioned it earlier yep. in our conversation, and also micro experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so can you expand a little bit on this for me, please? Uh, another huge topic. Uh, <laughs> so I'll try to stick to the essence of that. Um, I, 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 the reason why I, I, I'm so keen to um, refer or even to explain what um, snackable content is, is because, as I said before, the customer journey has changed quite a lot. It has become much more uh, phased and fragmented. And in order to meet this, or to, in order to match this new journey, this you know evolving journey, content has to be different too. So it's not enough to say, yes, we have a piece of content uh, for a customer who wants to buy that product or wants to get that service. We have that piece of content to train the customers. Actually, a customer is more than just a customer. I, I like to use the, the, the picture of Russian dolls for that. You know, a customer is like the big Russian doll, and then you open the big one and you have a smaller one, and yeah. then you have another smaller answer. Yeah. So for me, I would say probably a, a, a typical digital customer is made of eight to 10 Russian dolls. And each doll has a role to play because before a customer is a customer, mm -hmm. is first of all, somebody who is looking for a product, looking for information, asking questions, um, you know, trying to get some help, uh, getting influenced by other people. So you have to look at every step uh, that takes place along the way mm -hmm. before actually the customer buys your product or your service. And that's what snackable content is all about, is to really, you know, be in sync with this, uh, you know, this, this, this number of steps. And, you know, I would say the, the, the real purpose is to, be, is to make sure that snackable content can be, of course, granular enough, but also can be clustered uh, along the way. So that, for instance, if you create a piece of content uh, to announce a new product, yes. okay, this is going to be for a customer, well, not, not yet a customer, but somebody who is looking for a product, yes. so yours in this case, and you have a big wow announcement, and then you take that content for that moment. But after all, uh, or after, in, later on in the journey, you have the same person who is more or less convinced, and then you can reuse it, but you have to cluster that piece of content with another piece of content Absolutely. that is more detailed. So, you know, it's all about clustering and uh, being granular at the same time. And snackable content is the best way because at the end of the day, uh, you know, um, in, in a workshop, I, I, one day I, I, I wanted to give the the image of a customer journey and I said it's like a meal you know the meal has to be complete and yeah. and and uh, fancy along the way if the if, if the appetizer is bad the rest the meal is going to be bad anyway so you know it's like exactly what I mean here in this case you know content snackable content is is really meant to um, to make sure that the whole meal the whole journey uh, happens uh, seamlessly and and uh, according to expectations Definitely makes sense absolutely yeah. So um, finally, um, to, uh, to finish this interview, mm -hmm. uh, you've spoken in the past about localization, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, language as a true business driver rather than simply a, a cost uh, center. Yep. And nowadays, many organizations are, are learning you know, how to get this right. And mm -hmm. um, for companies who are just starting out on this journey, well, well, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's, that's very easy. I would say, 
understand what localization is truly all about. Because something I've seen for the past uh, 25 years, whether I was you know, in the localization industry or on the client side, was that a number of stakeholders, a number of people simply uh, didn't know what localization was. Or they, they thought they know what it was, but it wasn't what, it was, what, what they were thinking. So I would, my advice would be understand what it is and make sure that you know, once you understand what, it, what localization really is, which is more than putting a few words into another language, which is one of the many definitions that I've heard, uh, is to really embed localization people, whether it's you know, in-house teams or uh, external suppliers, in your value chain. Uh, so that they, they are more than just, you know, delivering uh, back and forth, so that they are more like uh, engaged and involved in activities, uh, for instance, in product roadmaps or in, uh, in meetings, in design meetings, so that all these people, whether they're linguists or, you know, uh, engineers, project managers, can really uh, be part of it, be part of the, the game, mm -hmm. but also to really uh, contribute to the end result, which is the content or the product. Yes. So uh, once, you know, this, this understanding, which is not easy to gain, I, I agree, so it's not, is, is important for uh, those organizations, but also for people who, like me, uh, want to make that understand and want to convince stakeholders in general or their managers or their, their senior leadership teams that this is not an option, that this is really what customers need. Uh, so we may not like it, some people would, get, would, would like to get rid of localization in a perfect world, but the world isn't perfect, and in any case, customers uh, will need that. So think about customers, you know, understand what localization is from end to end, yes. and, uh, and, and, uh, and take up the challenge. Well, thank you very much, Sinesh. Thank you. Very insightful. Uh, thanks for your time today, Ms. Brilliant. So uh, this is the end of today's show with Bruno Herrmann, uh, Global Leader in Digital Product Content and Experience. Uh, we'll be joined soon by other guests uh, for another Victor's show uh, with more, for more interesting discussions with interesting people from around the world.